times today as I've been walking around the corridor or coming into the dining hall at the meal I just feel it's very sweet that everyone is here you know that you all want to be here in this retreat at New Year's Eve for the, to see in the see out the old year and see in the new year there's something kind of very sweet about that of all the many things you could be doing but you're coming here <laughs> and uh, clearing out the old rubbish and um, strengthening the, the good within your own hearts and that we can do that together, it's, it's quite special. And just thinking about the many ways that people see the new year in. You know, probably tomorrow we'll all be at a great advantage. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I don't have a, a lot to say tonight, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say, but uh, there's a story that keeps coming to my mind that uh, recently Bhante Gunaratana told us, um, uh, and it's a, it's a parable from the suttas that the Buddha gave of uh, two friends who live in a poor village quite a long way from the city who decide to go to the city to make a bit of money to bring back for their families. And so they, they head off towards the city together. And when they've been walking a little way, they find a, a pile of, of hemp on the ground that's the kind of, not the kind of smoke, but the kind that you make things out of. So they find this, this pile of hemp on the ground and they, and they both pick it up and they, and they carry this pile of hemp and they each, and they say, ah, oh, Let's carry this all the way to the city and then when we get there we can go to the market, we can sell it, we can make some money and we can bring it back for our family. So they, so they walk along each carrying their quite big pile of hemp and as they keep walking they find a pile of hemp uh, thread, hemp that's been, been woven. And so one of the two says, hey, look at that, that's, that's worth more than the hemp we've got, let's put down our hemp and pick up the thread and, and take that and sell that and then we'll have more money to take back to our families. And the other one says, no, we said we were going to carry the hemp, the raw hemp, so we're just going to do that. So he just carries on carrying what he had and the other one puts down what he had and picks up the thread. And then they go a little bit further and they find hemp cloth. And so the one says, let's put down what we've got and pick up the cloth. It'd be much better. And the other one's, no, we said we were going to carry this raw hemp, so we're going to carry it. And so on they go. Uh, you know, one picks up the, the cloth, the other carries the raw hemp. And they keep going and then they find some, some 
un unwoven cotton. And so the one who's uh, got the cloth, he puts down his cloth and he picks up the cotton and the other one carries his hemp, as he said he was going to do. And then they keep going a bit further and they find some cotton thread. And then they find some cotton cloth. And then they find silk thread. And then they find <laughs> silk cloth. And the one keeps on putting down what he's carrying and picks up what he finds because he recognises it's better than what he's got. And the other one's quite determined to keep what he said he was going to do and get all the way there with his heap of hemp. And they keep walking and they find copper, copper ore. <laughs> so the one with the silk puts down his silk and he picks up the copper ore and the other one is carrying his hemp. And they keep going, and then he finds beautifully um, burnished copper. And so, he, you know, not just the ore, but the real thing. So he puts down the ore and he picks up the copper and he keeps going. They keep going. And then they find silver. And so, you know, he keeps, so the one keeps putting down what he's got and picking up what he finds because he sees it's better than what he's got. And the other doggedly holds on to his hemp, his raw hemp. And then they keep going and they find gold ore. It's getting better and better. And so he, so he puts down his silver, he picks up the gold ore. It's pretty heavy, but it's worth it. And the other one is, is carrying this big heap of hemp. And then they walk a bit further and they find pure gold. And so the one who puts down his gold ore and he picks up the pure gold. And the other one is still absolutely right about carrying his large heap of hemp as he said he would in the beginning and is going to do just like he said he would. And so then they get into the, to the city and they get to the market and they sell their wares. So the one who's been putting down what he had and picking up what's better makes a lot of money with his gold and the one who held onto the hemp makes almost nothing at all. And uh, nobody's very interested in buying it from him. And then finally he manages to sell it for a few rupees. And, and then they make their way back to the village. And uh, so the one who was able to put down, to keep putting down what he recognised wasn't uh, the very best, you know, when better came along, he you know, brought back a lot of... Uh, gifts and, and money for his family and, for the, and he was able to do good things for the village and everybody was so happy that he came back and could benefit the whole village with what he did. And the other one came back with worn out shoes, feeling really dishevelled and very little money and everyone was, especially his wife, were really fed up with him. <laughs> so... Uh, it's kind of a sweet story of, of what we can do you know, when, we, when we hold on to an idea or a view or we're afraid to, uh, you know, to put down what we've got in order to receive something else. And usually in the, in the process of, of giving up or of renunciation, it's not quite as, as tidy as that. You, know, you, don't, you don't come across the gold and then you put down. You, you, kind of, you have to put something down and you're not quite sure what's going to come next. Uh, but if we don't, uh, if we don't let go of the things we're holding on to, then we don't make any space to receive what is uh, coming our way.
and sometimes it takes a while, you know, sometimes we let go of something and then we kind of, oh no, maybe I made a mistake, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And it can be a little bit nerve-wracking and then we've made the room for something else to come. So uh, we just have to be patient and also keep uh, a clear intention. And uh, things come not, not usually not quite the way we want them to be. I've noticed that there is, you know, it's, you might have like even eighty or ninety percent the way you'd like, and there'll be something that really just is really difficult. To, our teacher, Ajahn Samedo, used to speak about that a lot. He would say he'd speak about the he would repeat it again and again, the, the snake in the garden, the, the worm in the apple, the fly in the ointment. So this is, this is how it is in the world, you know, you get everything you want, but there'll be that snake in the garden, there'll be that, there'll be that worm in the apple, there'll be that fly in the ointment, so it's not going to be perfect. But, uh, but to hold on to what we know and what's familiar, just because it is known and familiar, it's, uh, it's a poor choice. So, uh, so here we are at the threshold of the turning from 2015 to 2016. And uh, we have an opportunity to let go of some of the familiar, some things that we've been holding on to that have, been, that have felt kind of comfortable, but are maybe keeping us a bit stuck. And uh, as I, th- I think about the things I want to let go of, there's a certain sense of vulnerability. Because it's like, hmm, if I let go of those things, not, not things, you know, the attitudes of mind, but if I let go of those, is it going to be all right? Will I be taken advantage of? Um, you know, there's a, there's a certain trepidation in, in letting go of the particular things I have in mind, I'm not going to tell you what they are. Uh, because, because there's a certain, um, maybe a sense of protection or, uh, yeah, protection that, that's connected with, with holding on to them. But at the same time, I see the dukkha of holding on to them, so I want to let them go and cultivate something that will be more beneficial. And then there's the sense of like, well, I'm, I want to do that and I'm actually not quite sure if I can. <laughs> you know, there's the aspiration and, and let's see, uh, can we actually manifest what we want to? Uh, somebody was saying the other day that they, they, they realised that they've been coming, here, coming on this retreat for a number of years and those things are kind of the same as they were several years ago. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it takes a while. <laughs> so... Uh, and yet, uh, even if it does, even if it takes years, it's really worth guiding our intention in the right way. So, sometimes our, our aspirations are very high and our expectations of ourselves are very high. I, I hear that sometimes in the interview interview groups that uh, you know we know what we could be doing, 
we know our potential, and maybe we've also had insight where we've really seen that directly, we've experienced it directly, and, and we know we could be there, we could, we could be living from that place, and yet we're not. Because there's still, you know, the old kilesas are still going. The hindrances are still, still uh, strong. And so uh, we can either feel a bit hopeless, you know, not really making it, or we can feel like a, a bit tyrannical of, come on, you know, you've got to do it 100%. But uh, those ways don't really work because we can't just force ourselves to be 100%. Otherwise we'd all be doing it already. We'd all be arahants. If we could decide, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be enlightened, you know, by the end of this retreat, we'd have done it previous retreats, you know. <laughs> so we have to set the intention, set the intention, that guiding star I was talking about. And then within that intention, we find whatever skillful means we can to keep going in that direction. Or if we can't keep going, then to, to rest a while, but not to go too far off track. And if we go off track, to remember where we wanted to go, where we were headed. So, uh, so if we have that core intention, and then we know the direction, we know where that guiding star is, then uh, we give ourselves a little bit more allowance to... Uh, not be perfect and to make mistakes and to fall down and to get up again and to take a risk or two along the way. And so there's, there's more of a... So, we, so we're meeting our, our life and our experience with more of a sense of, uh, of, of like willingness and encouragement and appreciating the, 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 you know, what, we, what we are doing, what we can do, what we have done, rather than always looking at the bits that we haven't done or are not good enough. And it's a really, really important part of the journey to encourage and to praise and to appreciate this uh, this aspiration and this, this uh, that we each hold and this ongoing endeavor that we uh, that we haven't given up on to further ourselves to uh, to gain greater insight and wisdom and kindness as we continue this path and not to berate ourselves for not being wise enough or kind enough or brave enough but to see ways that we can encourage ourselves and each other So Ayasantachita was speaking earlier today about not pulling the petals of the flower 
So it's like letting the flower bloom in its own time, not saying, come on, hurry up, quicker, more beautiful. It's like it letting it bloom in its own time. So we create the conditions. You know, we give the nourishment of our attention. We give the protection of sila, of the precepts. We give the, uh, the nourishing rain of our practice of meditation. And that flower which is rooted in the dukkha that we have experienced. It's always the, the lovely saying, no mud, no lotus. I love that. In the mud of our struggles as a human being, that flower is rising up. And it's rising in its own time. And as long as we keep the right conditions, you know, we don't create a drought by completely abandoning our practice. Or we don't burn it under too much uh, scrutiny. Then that flower will grow and it will blossom. The flower of our life will grow and blossom. And, uh, well, be a source of blessings and beauty in the world and in our own lives. And it doesn't matter how long it takes, it really doesn't matter. It just matters that we, we keep paying attention, we keep uh, nourishing that plant with our attention, that plant of our, of our awakening, with wholesome attention. And we keep intending towards the light, towards the light of awakening. And along the way we might experience all kinds of things, you know. It's not a, it's not a smooth <laughs> journey. But uh, we just keep going, keep learning. And we welcome, even if we're not able to do it immediately, you know, that the, but welcoming the challenges of life as our teachers. So we might be challenging people, who are teaching us about our own impatience or our own aversion or our own fear. And so then we can meet those qualities in ourselves and start to transform them. So Ajahn Chah was very uh, clear about the importance of community. He was quite unusual, I think, in his time. The importance of community. Because you can sit alone in a, in a mount, you know, in a, in a cave or on a, in a forest and practice meditation and gain really sublime states and insights. But uh, it's when you're with other people that you see what the work that needs to be done. And uh, I just saw this little cartoon recently, just, just uh, the first First picture was a monk with his teacher, and his teacher was saying, you're doing really great. There's just one more test before you're uh, ready for enlightenment. 
Then in the next little picture, he's sitting there at the table with his family. <laughs> going, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, our community or our family, whichever one it is, uh, this, is our, this is our test. And then part of us wants to just get away from that and go into the cave and get those perfect conditions where we're not triggered, we're not irritated, we're not challenged. And we can spend some time doing that, but we need to balance it so that we see the work we need to do. And then we meet that with uh, understanding and, and encouragement and kindness. So the most um, crippling thing in our practice is to expect ourselves to be better than we are. To berate ourselves for not being good enough. It's, uh, it's so undermining and, and you know, we just can't, can't get anywhere. So we need to really pay attention to what is good here in this being, each of us. What is strong, what is, uh, what is noble, even if it's got a bit lost under a lot of clutter, you can find it again. And, uh, and also, like I was saying, to be aware of you know, the absence of, the absence of the unwholesome. So to nourish ourselves with that attention, that wholesome attention on what is good, what, on the noble aspirations that we have. Everybody must have, who's here I think, must have some noble aspiration. So to nourish ourselves with that, nourish our practice with that. And to keep, uh, even just in, the, in little ways, keep generating the good. And then uh, you know we get us, we find ourselves caught in in the in the negativity and reactivity in our daily lives. It's, it's it's a bit easier here not to, but in daily lives that happens. You know we find ourselves caught in that again, and then it's like oh god, there I am again. So as soon as we do that, just to know it and recognize, as soon as we know that, know what we're doing, we have a choice whether we keep doing it or whether we drop it. We have a choice. And then just to see, you know, if we can't drop it, what's going on there? What is this uh, identification with what's wrong? It's, uh, the Buddha calls it a form of conceit, interestingly enough. The conceit of being worse than, or the conceit of being not good enough. So he talks about the conceit of, the, of being better than, I think I'm better than someone else. The conceit of thinking one is worse than someone else. And the conceit of thinking one is equal to someone else. All forms of conceit. 
drop all of them. So they all keep us more and more bound. And then the, the place of freedom is where we're not creating ourselves at all, where there's, there's presence, responsiveness, letting go. So even if we can't uh, do that all the time, I certainly can't, then uh, we appreciate the times when we can the moments when we can do that. And then we do it again, and we do it again. And nobody really but ourselves know what our practice is inside. You know, people might, uh, might not recognize the extent to which we're letting go because they don't see the work we're doing inside. So we can't always rely on the mirrors we can to some degree, but we can't fully. But we, we can be really honest with ourselves and with our own practice. And uh, remember you know, our potential, the potential of a, of a human life. And, uh, and keep guiding our mind and speech and actions towards that again and again. And then gradually the, you know, the river starts to change course. So it's really important to, you know, at the end of each day, to recollect the blessings of our life, or, or through the day, recollect the blessings of our life. I was speaking recently with a, a mutual friend, a, um, a nun, a, Christian, a Catholic nun in her 70s, and she was, uh, she's had very bad health for quite a long time, for, for about, I'm not sure if it's 15 or 20 years, quite serious bad health. And uh, she was talking about her, you know, her life and her practice, and, and she's saying, well, you know, I've got so much to be grateful for. I've just got so much to be grateful for. And you know, every day I just remember the, the many things that I, that I have to, to be grateful for. And, uh, and it was really clear that that's a, a practice of hers. That every day, not just once a day or three times a day, it's like every day, it's numerous times a day, as a practice she recollects the things that she's grateful for. And then she said, it touched me, she said, and I'm really fortunate because I have so many things to be grateful for. I don't even have to scramble around trying to find things. You know, I have so many. And I just thought, oh, that's such a great attitude. You know, it's not like, oh gosh, I'm old now and my body's not very well and I've got to keep going to the doctor and I've got these swollen legs. And it's like, yeah, there is all that and so much to be grateful for. So this uh, that practice is a, is a great support because it's uh, it reminds us it uplifts us it reminds us of, of what is already here 
and that's like a like a, it's like a, it's like a support you know for the rest of our practice so I really hope that each of us are able to let go of some unnecessary baggage today and uh, put energy, pick up what is more beneficial and also that we do it with each other because uh, part of what keeps us stuck is, is if we think of each other in a stuck way Particularly if you, if you live together, or if you meet each other frequently, if you have a very fixed idea of how somebody is, you keep recreating them in that way again and again. And maybe they have been like that. But if we keep on recreating like that in our minds, it, it, we don't give them a chance to move on. So, uh, so we can do a kindness to ourselves and to each other by uh, letting go of the old perceptions and uh, opening to the possibilities of what each of us are. So we all, in a way, we all hold the same potential. We all hold the same potential for awakening. It's like it's, it's latent in all of us. And uh, we experience little glimmers of it, or sometimes quite beautiful open spaces of that uh, mind of freedom. And so that's, it's like our, our true nature that's waiting to be realized. It's like the flower that rises up through the water, the lotus, and rises up through the water and blossoms. So we all have that potential, and uh, if we see that in ourselves and in each other, it's kind of a leap. But if we if we look at that in ourselves and in each other, there's uh, much more potential for it to grow. So. Uh, May we do that together. Andamayam Janakataya Sadipam Tatamase. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.